Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Volsby. It is day two of Fantastic Fest here in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. And this is Wendy, joined, of course, by... Melissa. And uh, it is now after round two. I I didn't get to see a movie in round one because I had to be in a fucking adult with a fucking job, but I am on vacation now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Let there be whiskey. Let there, let there be whiskey. Let there be vacation. Let there be late nights. Let, let there, there be El Pancake. El Pancake. <laughs> Um, so, we will podcast from El Pancake. Oh. <laughs> if uh, slash when it happens. I presume oh, it will happen. Oh, I'm doing scripts gone wild. Okay. And I make poor choices anyway. Okay. And that's when they're, where they encourage poor choices. So, yeah, El Pancake is definitely on the horizon for Sunday night. Yeah. Um, so, round one, round I one. had to skip, but you got to see. I got to see Keep an Eye Out. Which is really like in my top 10 of ones I want to see. And it should be because it's delightful. I loved it. I laughed out loud. So um, um, before it, you get into it, yeah. why I want to see it, I was sold listeners simply by the main graphic for it, which is this very 60s looking like office sort of room. This man in very 60s vintage clothes. He's got a very French looking face and he's making a very French Face. That's the only way I can describe. It's just got this sneer of condescension, and he's holding up an eyeball while he's doing it. I'm like, I want to see this movie. Yeah. It's also so, it's also paired with a short in front of it called "Keep Your Mouth Shut." Yes, because <laughs> so, Peter Kuplowski, who, who programs those pairings, is a genius. And you know what? It's they're perfect together. He's the so good. The tone of the, both of them, uh, it fits very well. So the the short is really great, but the the movie is delightful. Um, I'm a fan of Rubber, the uh, Quentin Quentin Depew Depew Quentin Depew movie Rubber, which uh, involves a homicidal car tire, and that's pretty much what it what it is, absurd and and strange and 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 this is a procedural, a police procedural by the same guy with the same sensibilities with the same sensibilities, and it's very French. French. It's very French. It's in French. And so it's got that extra dose of French absurdism humor. <laughs> and it, it, but I, I really loved it. I think I'd like it more than rubber, actually. It's, it's so delightfully odd. I, am, and it's I'm really so hard excited. to describe, um, other than just say, just that's the tone of it, just go in. Like and, it's a and, procedural that is absurd. Yes. And, Okay, I'll just now. Would you say I'll, Gilliam absurd, or would you say no, no, um, no, 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 no? It's a very, it's very low key French absurd. Um, I would, okay. So I will, I will like describe this, one visual, okay. one little tiny gag in it, and it's like it comes up and is gone. Um, the poli- there's a police guy interrogating another man, and he 
he takes out a cigarette, lights it, and starts smoking in the office. And the guy sitting across the desk from me is going, "Your chest is smoking," like, and you see like ch- smoke rising from the guy's chest. And he goes, "Is that normal?" And the police captain goes, "Yeah, it's, yeah, it's fine." And you could just see a puff of smoke come out of his side. <laughs> and he, he says, "There's a hole in my chest. It's fine." Poof, poof. And that's really it. It's just weird, ridiculous shit. There, there's a guy in the office that has only one eye. Like, there's just a smooth patch of skin where one eye is supposed to be. Just like that. I okay. Yeah, it's 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 so odd. You like I was so hopeful knowing that you were going to see it that you were going to report back that yes it is we're seeing. Yeah. Because it's on my short list and now it's definitely on my short yeah, list. Yeah. If Monty Python were French, it'd be kind of like that. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> that, that, like because of, there's different flavors of absurd. Yeah. Like for me, the spectrum runs from Ionesco to Beckett. Right. Yeah. Ionesco is very, very French. Well, he was actually um, Hungarian, I think, but it doesn't matter. I yeah. always think of Ionesco as being French. Um, but very silly with a light touch more comedic like yeah. let's laugh at how absurd the world is whereas Beckett was like the world is absurd it doesn't make sense and therefore we should die yeah it's much more UNESCO good good it, good, it's, good it's really it's really super light and I had a riotous time with it it, it was it was really funny I liked it alright so and then, then and then we both saw Starfish and oh my can I can I say my my wrap up of it just my, yeah, my one sentence wrap up go. of it yeah or Actually, we should describe kind of what it is, and then I'll, I'll okay, give my pocket actually, review. Actually, yeah. Let me. I was super excited for this. Yeah. And everybody I knew that I talked to before the movie was super excited for it. Yeah, they there filled was, two theaters for this movie. Yeah. Like, people were excited because what they had been sold on was something that sounded very emotional, but also with an apocalyptic tinge, and also a mystery to be solved. Yeah. And, and also uh, indie rock. Yeah, because the, the way it was sold was there's a woman, she her best friend has died and she's in the throes of grief. And while she's holed up, hiding in her best friend's apartment, it, hiding from her grief, she the basically the apocalypse happens and there are clues on how to save it on these mixtapes that her friend has left her. Mm-hmm. That sounds fascinating. I yeah. am very on board. It, yes, I want to see that. And then, no. Th- this is my pocket. Re- my one sentence review of it is: Let me describe my therapy sessions to you in interpretive dance. And that's not wrong. And that, I, I feel like that's a pretty good description of what it is. There's no particular urgency to find these tapes. There's even the the plot is the barest whiff of plot. It is, this really is a, the director's ruminations on and getting he, divorced and losing his best friend at the same time which is something that actually happened but yeah like that's what it's actually based on is the director's personal story of a relationship ending and his best friend dying at the same time okay, so, okay that's pretty profound uh, he even said during the Q&A there are there are some parts that are in the movie that he showed to people that he's not willing to talk about I'm like oh okay you put it out there for everybody to watch, but you're not willing to talk about it to ex- to explain it. Yeah, and, I, I, and it, and it's so arty for art's sake. There's there, really there's does. so much. They, it's like let's take all the the super artiest, twiest, artiest ideas and shake them out of the arty box, and just kind of tack them onto this flimsy little narrative with my actual grief. 
and but but the arty elements of it don't add anything. Yeah. Jessica was like, I can't tell if it was beautiful or self-indulgent. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Because it, it was it, it is really, lovely. it is really beautiful. The music and the sound design, the soundscaping of it is fantastic. It is very languid. I think it is overly languid. Oh, I, incredibly so. I think it, but it wasn't a long movie to begin with. Honestly, I feel like this could be like a 35 or 40 minute short yeah. film and yeah. it would be probably more effective but I also feel like he was so busy telling the story of the grief and it is a very very profound representation of grief yeah when when they get into the emotional story of the character it's, like, it's very interesting because I was frustrated like the, you need these mixtapes to save the world but you can't be bothered because of your grief and the problem is that when I'm watching that movie, I am distracted from the emotional truth of the character by, you need to save the world, go get the goddamn mixtapes. And yet, like, I think I think he missed there. I think the very fact that I was frustrated, like, I needed you to lean more into the grief to explain how bad it must be that she literally can't see her way to saving the world because this grief is that powerful. Yeah, and the there there's also so much of it was all the same, where it should have been... The, the opening stuff where it's her just like in the apartment and we haven't set into the storyline um, I feel like was very I think that fit together very well because yeah. it, it's dealing with the silence and, and just her processing but after that you need to switch up to something else yeah. and, and so like yeah it, it either had to be artier or less arty, and it's like right in the middle with a bunch of arty-looking stuff on it, like an animated sequence that really didn't need to be there. Yeah, so, my yeah my and and like in titles they crawl from the top of the screen to the bottom. Why I don't know. Well, I, and there's so much the, stuff. Even that, the title Starfish, it's like, what the fuck are you feeding those jellyfish anyway? Yeah, why are you feeding jellyfish a starfish? And you don't understand jellyfish. And if you're going to clearly make these starfish some sort of symbol or metaphor, you need to be a little clearer. Yeah. Like, I don't need you to spell it out for me, but I need you to give me one connecting element. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because honestly, even if you showed one starfish with a broken leg, I would have been like, I get, your, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I forgive and forget, like that their arms grow back. I think that's where he was going, but it wasn't clear. No. But if you'd shown me one starfish with a broken leg, I would have been like, ding, I got you now. Yeah. We're back, except. Well, we. Okay. So, dear listeners, um, sorry if we faded out abruptly in the past little clip because we. Well. My iPhone decided to not record the last bit of our conversation about the starfish. So, or starfish, technical, I say. Technical. Te- technical diplophobies. And uh, so, we'll, we'll just... You got the idea about... We didn't like it very much. Um, but Wendy just wanted to make sure we understood the, the final thing we had brought up that we totally didn't record, which was about spoony sex. Spoony sex, yeah. Okay. So at... It, by the way, listeners, it's several hours later now. Yeah, um, so, but, so later. So uh, at that point of the four movies that I had seen, three of them had sex scenes where it was male penetration from behind. 
Um, not so, doggy style, but not, spoony. Like laying on their sides, mm-hmm. right? And I can understand, like, I totally get how that's a benefit to framing a shot. You can get both people, their actual faces, acting and performing in the same shot while they're having sex. But, and it, it doesn't feel as dominant as doggy style. Like, there's not any power implications there. Um, because if you do traditional missionary, like, you, you, you have to either cut back and forth, you're only getting one person's. So I get why it's in a, why it, the benefits it offers to filming, but I can't help but notice that of the that's of a lot of spoony sex. That's a lot of spoony sex. Because we haven't watched that many movies yet this week. Yeah. And like in The Wind, there's spoony sex, but their relationship is fractured. And in, in Fabric, there's spoony sex, but that movie's just fucking weird. But then the spoony sex that was in Starfish was a couple that seemed to be romantic, so I don't know why. And, yeah. they, were, and they were not even major characters. Hold. That's a bus. But All the it, people are going to the debates now. <laughs> but even more importantly, they were they were not even speaking. They were just glorified extras. Why why was seeing their faces so important? Or is this just like listener listeners? Maybe I'm out of touch. Maybe this is just a fad in sex right now, and I just am boring and old. Maybe I don't know. So anyway, spoony sex is apparently a thing. Okay. Although I haven't seen any more spoony sex since then. Yeah, same here. But I would have been very disturbed if I'd seen it. In, well. No. Okay, anyway, so moving on, it, we're, it's now like 11 o'clock at night. We've gone through a couple more movies in our day. So, Wendy, what did you see in your slot number three of the day? I saw The Quake. <laughs> you yeah. saw the sequel to The Wave. <laughs> uh, I, I know that we recorded about The Wave when I saw it at, I think, my first Fantastic Fest. I think you're correct because you saw it twice that Fantastic I did because I liked it so much. And it's on Netflix, and I've watched it three more times since. I love disaster films, and The Wave is just so satisfying and well done and this is the sequel you don't need to see the wave to enjoy it it is it stands alone perfectly it really does so the wave and the quake the wave and the quake and did you you didn't you saw something else i saw something else okay it's like i think the actual natural disaster is i don't you know what never mind no it's just great and (laughs) we everybody enjoyed it and there, there is one thing that happens where I made a face, and I could feel I was making that face, and I was sitting next to Cargill, and I checked in, and Cargill was making the same exact face. Yes. Of, and the face was just open mouth. What? <laughs> ah. And um, it's about an earthquake, listeners. I think you could figure that out. And just like every disaster film. You know it's going to happen, and our protagonist knows, but people are selling, telling him, no, you don't know. And especially since he's got PTSD from the wave, everybody's like, I think you might be a little bit crazy and seeing disaster everywhere. No, it's really going to happen. And oh, and it does. So are they going to have a trilogy? Are we going to have volcanoes oh, next? Oh, that would be so great. Or possibly uh, dinosaurs rising from the grave? Also, that would be great. Um, I, I, I would expect volcanoes because we're getting, like, seismic I kind of would, like, I don't know, Death by Swedish Meatball, something, something, like, I feel like Ikea might... A remake of Reptilicus. This is all leading up to Reptilicus. (laughs) Yes. Okay. But The Quake, yes. The Quake, it was exactly the movie I wanted, and it was exactly the experience I wanted, and it was great. 
So what did you see in that slide? I saw Apostle. That's right, you did. Yes. So Apostle, dear listeners, um, I when I was looking up the movies in that time slot to pick what I wanted, um, I looked up Apostle and I saw director Gareth Evans and I went, what, 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 what? I didn't read anything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because Gareth Evans is is the guy who made the, the Raid. Raid movies. And so I'm like, yes. Well, what Gareth Evans has made in Apostle is um, he, he, he's he been making movies in, in Indonesia and Malaysia for like 10 years now. Suddenly he decided he wanted to make the Wicker Man again. And so that's what Apostle is. Apostle is a period um, like set during 19... 19- 1900, not 1900s, but uh, like 1910-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, in, it's in Wales. It was filmed in Wales. And it, there's this uh, like this religious cult on an island, and there's uh, this guy's sister has been kidnapped and held for ransom on this religious cult island, so this guy has to like infiltrate the religious cult as, as one of their members, and wild shit happens. And it's a great cast. Oh my god. I'm not big, I'm not sold on Dan Stevens, because I feel like he has, he has two facial expressions. There's glowering and wide-eyed. And that's what I got from Dan Stevens. He's so funny, though, in the Night in the Museum movie. But he is not funny here. He he is meant to be glowery in this movie. And it's got Michael Sheen, right? And Michael Sheen is, ah, I love him so much, because he he is the cult leader. Uh And and he's chewing all the scenery. He's just eating it in little bits and savoring it. And then there's one other actor, I can never remember his name, but he plays Quinn uh, in the movie, uh, who is, like, one of the other, uh, like, High status members of the cult, and he—he's like the the big scenery chewer, and he's delicious to watch too. But it's it's a solid movie, and um, if you're going in, it, it's not a martial arts film at all. But there, it does deliver on. Uh, it is like suspense, suspense slash horror, and it does deliver on the gore and the violence eventually. And uh, boy, Quinn is played by Mark Lewis Jones. Mark Lewis Jones, yes, him. He's 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 delightfully chewy, and uh, yeah, the whole cast is really good. Oh, he's but, got a small part in uh, Last Jedi. Yep. <laughs> so anyway. Um, it's really solid. It works on the like the 1970s British horror film cult movie, uh-huh. cult, religious cult movie thing. Um, it works as modern horror. The, the violence... I like violence in movies that actually feels brutal. I don't like glorified violence. Violence Gareth should Ed- make you uncomfortable. And Gareth Edwards knows how to do brutal goddamn fight scenes, but they're amazingly well-directed. And this movie is no exception. Okay. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. Yeah, because I was talking to... I was, it's not I, for the squeamish. I will I, say that. I was but. talking to other people who saw it, and one person was like, I was surprised by how brutal it was because it's Netflix. This is going to be on Netflix. Wow. Yeah, Netflix produced it. So I'm very curious about that now. Yeah, and, and it's worth seeing in the theater if you can because it's the visual the visual elements are really nice. It's a okay. lovely looking movie. Um, so yeah, I I liked Apostle. I okay. liked it a lot. What did you just see now? I just saw Sudden Fury. Yes, you you did. That's right. Yeah, Sudden Fury. Okay, so I'll go into Sudden Fury because it's kind of 
I guess it, there's a little bit of it a... It sounded bonkers. It was on my radar. Oh, it's fantastic. Okay, so Sudden Fury is this 1970s Canadian-made film that has been lost to obscurity. Apparently it was well-received in Canada, but it never really got distributed in the U.S. It never really made it to home video markets over here, at least. And um, over here, like... Yeah, down here. In, in, down here. Um, so it's obscure to us, and uh, um, I want I, I can remember the name of the studio that took it over and, and restored it. It's uh, Vinegar... Vinegar Synesthesia. That vinegar Syndrome, that's what it is. So Vinegar Syndrome got the got their hands on the print and lovingly restored it. It's coming out on Blu-ray now. So you too can have it oh, yay. soon. And it is um, kind of like Blood Simple for Canada. <laughs> so it's a it, it's low budget, um, very small cast, but you know, admirably acted for you know low budget cast. Mm-hmm. Not perfect, but good. The writing is tight, and um, it it involves, there's essentially like five characters. There's um, a man and his wife, and there's strife in their marriage, and they're driving along this country highway that's really, really deserted. Um, They come across, they're fighting, they pull over to the side of the road, the the husband gets out essentially in front of a moving car that's coming past and they go they yell at each other because he almost gets run down and but the other driver's like, You stepped out in front of me and then they drive drive off, it's like, okay, fine. It nothing happened, it's fine. So they part ways. And what what is going on is the husband and wife have some strife because the husband wants to do something that requires a lot of money. The wife's the one with the money and she's like I'm not going to give you any more money for all of your harebrained schemes. And he's like, why won't you do this? And and, and they're, it's clear it's coming apart. Well, they're, they're dri- continue to drive down the road, and their car veers off the road, and uh, the husband crawls out, but the but leaves the wife there. Uh-huh. And then the other guy on the road finds her, puts two and two together, and tries to save her. And then it it, it becomes several characters all trying to kill each other. Yeah. It, well, it's very kind of Cone Brothers the, that way. The blurb flat out says, like, they get in a wreck, the wife's in critical condition, and the husband's like, I think I'm just going to leave her. But then a good Samaritan comes by, like, oh, we should help your wife. Uh Yes, we should help my wife. How can I get rid of both of you? Like, yeah. that's the vibe I got. Yeah, it's pretty much that. Yeah, and, cool. Uh, but, but that's, like, just the beginning. It keeps, oh. it keeps chugging along. Um, the, the audience was so into it, too, because there, there's a couple of bits that happen are like, whoa, I did not see that coming oh, in the plot. Cool. And it's not. it's just, like, unexpected. That, that is absolutely not the cliche thing that would happen. Um, really delicious stuff. That one of those turnabouts, like the entire audience, as like one entity went. <laughs> it was great. Oh shit! Except, oh, it's so great. I have, I'm have, like I'm having regret. Except I would not have wanted to miss Cam for the world. Oh, tell me about Cam. So Cam is about a Cam girl. Oh, oh yes, yes, okay, yeah, yeah, that um, one. And so the basic. So the basic premise, she's a cam girl. She And it's not hitting you over the head with it, but she is, um, for somebody who is a sex worker, and, like, she she's very, very likable. 
Um, she has certain rules. She never tells her guys she loves them, uh-huh. right? She won't fake an orgasm, uh-huh. right? Just And uh, she always keeps her promises. So the premise is, like, and she's trying to get work her way up on this website that she that she works on uh-huh. to get in you know because the higher up you get the more customers the more money right um so she's trying to break higher ranks and higher ranks and then she wakes up one morning and her account has been hijacked oh by somebody who looks exactly like her oh yeah and i it's good like oh. the actual story of it oh. is good Nice. And I don't even want to tell you any more than that. The lead actress, her name, her real name's Maddie. She plays Alice slash Lola. Um, Lola's her online Lola, person. she was a showgirl. Show <laughs> um, her gradations of performance are reminiscent of Orphan Black. Nice. In the faceting she is doing of... Her different personas, mm-hmm. because she's also obviously playing the imposter too. Right. But also, whether that performance of that persona is re- in real life or being seen on the camera, there okay. is a shift there too. Huh. It is very complex, and it's also even better in that it's very sex positive. Mm-hmm. They worked very hard because um, the Q and A was excellent. Awesome. So the director is a man. Written by, written by his friend. They dated in high school. They've known each other for ten years. She's an ex cam girl. She's an ex sex oh, worker. Okay. She said that like right off the bat. I was a sex worker, absolutely. And um, and then the actress was there and the producers and a couple of other people. And they said that like and so the writer Issa was like she was very involved in the entire process simply like even how to frame shot even how the composition was going how the script was working to make sure that they avoided male gaze shots to make sure that it was representing it that there at no point did it feel judgmental about her choices the whole movie was very specifically trying to construct something where her choices are hers and that's not the point the point Mm -hmm. is it's not about should she or shouldn't she be a cam girl? She is. That's, yeah. And we're going to move forward. And it was so refreshing and, like, how much the director talked about being a man directing such a female story and making sure that he was really listening mm-hmm. so that it was, like... And he said, it's not that men can't tell these stories anymore. It's that if they're going to, they really need to listen. Yeah, and I and it was like yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. And he did a great job. It's visually so interesting, and I think it's my favorite film of the festival so far. All right, bravo! Um, because it's feminist as fuck. It's sex positive. It's gorgeous, and it's also genre <laughs> like <laughs> delight. Like you were like. What the shit is actually going on? And I, I mean, I was really hooked and like, okay, wait, no, no, it's not that. Then what is going on? Mm-hmm. And it, the payoff is good. Yes. Excellent. And um, she's smart. She's capable. Um, she's got like no shame about it. Even like, and her like her family dynamics are good mm-hmm. too, in that they're honest and true. Yeah. I just... Love it. Yes. I really, 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 really liked it. 
So, yeah, I can't wait for you to see it. Awesome. So now we are both going to see. We are both going to see. You, you might be the killer. You might be the killer. You might be the killer. No, I think you might be the killer. You might be the killer. So this is apparently, Cargill was telling us this. Literally, it was. it's based on a Twitter thread. Yes. Of um, two writers. I'm blanking on their names. Wasn't Chuck Wendig Yes, he's one of them. He's one of them, yeah. Where the two of them said, hey, what are you doing tonight, like, at 11 o'clock? Like, they called each other to plan out their Twitter feed. Yes, but (laughs) but they were still improvising, but like, hey, what if we did this as a premise, and then we're just going to run with it? And they created basically an online, real-time interaction that was them pretending that this scenario played out. And it got optioned for a film, and now we get to see it, and... (laughs) And it's got Fran Kranz, and it's got Allison Hannigan, yeah. and I'm super stoked to see it. It Me looks too. meta as fuck. And I have heard good things about it, too. Yeah, and I'm in the mood for a slashery, light, like a, not, com- it, I don't know if it's going to be comedy, but. Oh, this is midnight as fuck. Yeah, it this really is, This yeah. is a midnight movie. They're playing it in the exact right time slot for me yeah. right now. So I'm super stoked, and we will tell you more about it Later. Later. And we are back with it, it, it's what like two seventeen in the morning. Yeah, and, and oh. we have just watched. You might be you, the no, killer. You might be the oh, killer. Oh no, I'm. I think you might be the killer. Oh, <laughs> that was stupid fun. That, yes, that's a perfect midnight movie. It really is. It's so much fun. I wish I had. I do think the crowd was like 10% too tired yeah. for it because I think it was funnier than the crowd response. Yeah, I, it, it's it's kind of joyous, joyously slasher movie. Oh, very. Um, it's oh, it plays with all the the slasher tropes as as you might think, but it's how, how do we best describe there's, it? I mean, I mean honestly, there's no spoiling it because. Every trope is it plays out exactly like you think, and they Although, tell you who the t- killer is in the first act. Yeah, and then, well, I mean, the way it plays out though is it's is really new. satisfying. It's really new. Okay, so dear listeners, I think we mentioned this in the prior segment, but you might be the killer is based on a Twitter feed or a Twitter conversation between Sam Sykes and Chuck Wendig, where they went back and forth for like five hours, and and one of them was going. Hey, I can't remember the sandwich. Hey, Chuck, Chuck, um, uh, I just, I just woke up. And all the, all the people around me are dead, and and I'm being chased by this mad killer. And and, and the other, Sam, Sam, look around you. Is, are, are you covered in blood? Yeah. Are you holding a weapon? Yeah. Is there are anything you, like a haunted mask, mask or an you? idol near you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh hmm. So it. So anyway. It, this is literally how the the movie starts playing out. You've got a guy being at a at a summer camp being chased. He's clearly in the midst of being chased by something, and he locks himself in into a room and he calls his friend Sam. No, he calls Chuck. His, his friend Chuck, played by Allison Hannigan, in a, a comic book store, and she starts talking him through how to survive, and then it becomes apparent that he's actually been the one 
Yeah. And, and this is like the first five minutes sort of reveal. Yeah, like... So, yeah, this is the premise, and then the rest of the movie plays out after that. And it is super fun. They, Do you know how long it took me to realize Sam and Chuck... Chuck. Were Sam and Chuck? Yeah. As, I, in, as yeah. in Sam Sykes and Chuck Wendig? God, I... I'm tired. It's the only excuse I can offer. It was during the Q&A that I'm like, Sam and Chuck. And Sam and Chuck in the movie. Oh, and Sam and Chuck in the movie. Oh, my God, I'm slow. <laughs> Jesus it's, Christ. It's late. Um, but how, it's how late. delightful is the director? The, the d- director is delightful. He was doing a Q&A afterwards, and he was having a lot. It, it's clear everybody had a lot of fun doing this. Yeah, and, but and he actually seems, like, truly approachable. He's like, come talk to me. And I'm like, I think I might actually try, although you're going to be getting mobbed by fanboys. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's it's not too bad. It's actually dying down this time of night. And and opposite this time slot was uh, Fantastic Debates, which is like half the festival carted off into buses and to a boxing ring where... This is a yearly event where uh, people go up in pairs to debate each other at podiums within this boxing ring, and then they put on gloves and then box each other to resolve the conflict. Yes, yeah. for two minutes, two minutes of, of boxing. Yeah. I'm going to train. And it's and it's about stuff like... Uh, Goonies versus... Um, Monster, Monster Squad. Squad. Or... Um, the first year I ever saw it, uh, they had Dominic, Dominic Monaghan versus Elijah Wood arguing whether World of Warcraft is lame or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was great, seeing two hobbits box. That was great. Who, uh, who won the match? I can't... It, it was probably Elijah. Really? It was... I think He's it was. He's so tiny. Well, so is I'm, Dominic Monaghan. Jesus, have you ever seen the yeah, man? But yeah, but I mean, he's so tiny. Not and They're I, both tiny. I should They're say, both hobbits. And I should say that, like, ti- watch out for tiny people. They have a, they have something to prove, so I yeah. should. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, You Might Be the Killer is funny. It's slashery. Um, some of the kills are truly fantastic. This is, This is a movie that is... Very much in love. This is a love letter to 80s slasher films, and it is appropriately doofy gory in that way. Um, the look is very true to 80s slasher oh, films. Yeah. The cinematography, and there's even some weathering on the film in some spots where they're they have a literal body can going on on the on the screen. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which is delightful. There's and, a scorecard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, camp counselors killed one <laughs> um, but but yeah it's 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 good doofy fun and um, with Fran Krantz is that the guy who yep. plays the lead uh, he's definitely channeling Bruce Campbell for all it's worth oh yeah that that is he, well, he is so and he, he is completely covered in blood the entire movie much like Bruce Campbell in Evil Dead 2. He's so likable. He is. He's got such a sweet face and such a sweet voice and he's so funny and he's physically funny too. Like there's one little thing where he's trying to get away and he just runs backwards in a circle and it's it's not like it's played for look at the funny comedy but it was just such a lovely little touch I couldn't help but notice that his physicality had him just like, I don't know where to go. I keep, what? Oh, God, now what do I do? And he just turned all the way around, like ran in a small circle backwards trying to figure out what to do. And I was like, that's 
that's comedy right there. Or or one of the earliest gags in the movie, like within the first sixty seconds or so. He, he scrambles in the room, he locks himself in, he takes out his phone, and the phone has face recognition on it, and he's covered in blood, and the phone's not recognizing because he's covered in blood, so he, so he has to, like, clean... Claw some of the blood off. And, and then smile at it, and then unlock the phone. <laughs> and he's still covered in blood, but he's smiling at his camera. And, yeah, it's super funny. And Allison yeah. Hannigan is, of course, terrific. Brilliant. And referencing... She runs a comic book shop. He calls her... Chuck helped me out. And, of course, she's kept random arcanum in the back that yeah. she's referencing. Oh, yeah. It was very funny. Very much recommended. But it is almost 2.30 in the morning, so we need to wrap this up. We Listeners, do. It's you know you're going to be able to find it because, like, seriously, number one, it's exactly the type of movie that people put out. Yeah. It may take a while, but it's definitely going to get distributed mm-hmm. in one form or another. So seek it out, and you will not be sorry you did. Yes, absolutely. Highly recommended. I don't even know. What time is our first movie tomorrow? Um, mine's at like 10.30 in the morning, so oh, I need to. I probably giraffe. need to pack it up and go home. Yeah, it's time to go. Time to go. All right, we love okay. you, but not enough to keep talking. Okay, good night, dear listeners. We'll be back tomorrow with another batch of films to talk about. Yes. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at XanaduCinema.com, follow us on Twitter at XanaduCinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome.